this it sounds crazy right because, because mm-hmm. like yeah we all have a you know blue passport if you're a citizen but to me the the amount of time that i spent in my life not having it and like the doors that were closed to me like i'm a huge space and nasa fan right mm-hmm. and i couldn't do an internship at the johnson space center because i wasn't a u.s citizen mm-hmm. and when i got that passport i spent a month with an astronaut Right. I lived with Chris Cassidy, who's a Navy SEAL turned astronaut. And I got to live out my dreams. And that in itself, like just just gave me this immense confidence, not to sound, you know, cocky or anything, because I have so much to learn. But the confidence that comes from from that passport, I just it's hard to put into words. It's really wow. hard to put into words. You're going to space someday for sure. <laughs> I know it. I have to buy a ticket. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth Short-Term Rental Blueprint, will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com slash str hyphen course. This episode is sponsored by our brand new course called Fast Fire Bookkeeping for Real Estate Investors. Do you have a pile of receipts and a bunch of statements that are stacking up in your office and the pile isn't getting any smaller? Are your rental properties getting you closer to financial freedom? Do you even know how your properties are performing? Well, the answer to your problem is doing your books the right way, and that's what our course is about. We'll teach you how to set up your books the right way, not just for tax time, but also so you can unlock the insights that will help you maximize your cash flow. For more information or to sign up, Go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash fast fire bookkeeping. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Today, we're really excited to have Shazad Batliwala here to talk about his really amazing journey. Yeah, and Shazad is an incredible human being. Yeah. He actually has been through a lot in his life from coming to the country and being undocumented all the way through starting a business and then starting a real estate empire. I'm going to say empire because I know that's where you're going while a resident. So Shazad, welcome to Rich Doc Poor Doc. Thanks guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are so happy to have you. And for people who aren't familiar with you, who haven't seen you show up in our community all the time, can you tell us a little bit about you, your background, and how you got into real estate? Sure. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for having me. Um, I am an ophthalmologist. I finished my residency just earlier this year and am currently doing a cataract and refractive surgery fellowship in Oklahoma City. And uh, I you know, came to the States as an undocumented immigrant when I was uh, seven years old. My parents brought me here for a better life for themselves and for their children. And, uh, you know, over the years, I kind of just inadvertently, I guess, fell into real estate. I needed to figure out a way to make a living in high school. And because I didn't have a social security number or a driver's license or anything, I just started fixing phones because I was passionate about that. 
And, um, you know, one thing led to another and we started a retail store called Smartphone ER because I was pre-med at the time to, uh, to fix phones. And it ended up being really successful. And so by that second year after we started that company, that was about 10 years ago now, in the second year, we actually uh, made an offer to buy the property, buy the building that had the store. And um, I didn't think that that initial move would be something that I'd be so passionate about later on, right? Because all the other stuff I'm doing with real estate, that really didn't start until much, much later. But um, I was just thinking about this the other day. That was my first like venture into real estate, um, that first commercial property, which still exists to this day. So yeah, so then, you know, kind of went through college and medical school. And I, in residency, sort of realized that there are a lot of things that I'm passionate about, right? Without, I mean, you know, without going into too much detail, I've got a mom who's got, uh, who has mental illness that um, I was there, you know, caring for her for the longest time. And, and I'm very passionate about that topic. I have this history with immigration where I can't tell you how many courts and judges and lawyers we have had to go through to finally get my green card and then finally get my citizenship in March of 2015 which opened doors for me I couldn't imagine. I'm so passionate about immigration and immigrants and that whole community, right? Because that's really what makes America what it is. And uh, having that blue passport, I was, we were talking about this earlier, having that blue passport that says the United States of America, like that opens doors for you that, that you can't even imagine. It's a superpower in my hand. I really, truly believe that. There's nothing that is out of reach for me because I have that. And, uh, and so, you know, there, there are so many things that I'm very passionate about, and I really want to make an impact and a dent in those communities and for those people. And to do those things that I want to do, you need money, right? You need wealth. Um, you need time and money and those resources to really make an impact in those communities. And I love being an ophthalmologist. I love the surgeries that I do. But as we all know, real estate is that wealth accelerant. Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of hit me in the middle of residency that, man, like of all the things that I want to do, I, I've got to figure out a way to really make wealth happen quickly. And so um, I guess, I don't know, the Facebook algorithms heard that probably because that's when I discovered semi-retired MD and that whole, this whole like community of people um, that are doing really amazing things outside of medicine. So that's when I decided to take your course and follow your steps, you know, to a T. And now I have 12 units that I self-manage. Four of them are in Texas. Eight of them are in Oklahoma. Wow. And there's a lot more there, but we'll stop there for now. <laughs> yeah. Take us back to when you first came to the country. Uh, where did you come from and how old were you? Yeah. So we came from Mumbai, India. I was seven years old and that was in 1997. And my, you know, my parents came, we first landed in New York, and then we moved like five different places before we finally landed in a place called Tyler, Texas. It's in East Texas. What's so interesting when I hear you say, you know, with the, with the U.S. passport in my hand, I can do anything, is what an empowering belief that is. That, just, that belief in itself just 
I mean, opens so many doors for you, just that belief alone. And I think that, you know, a lot of us have limiting beliefs, obviously, and I'm sure that you have some too, besides, besides this incredible empowering belief, but man, if we all walked around with such an empowering belief, how much more would be, we'd be doing? Well, think about all the people that have the blue passport that don't appreciate it, right? That don't feel like that passport gives them that superpower, right? And so it's a, it, like you said, it is a, it is an empowering belief that a lot of people don't have. And, and, and it, and it definitely a testament to your journey. It sounds like, it sounds like, so from, from the early years, you were talking about the kind of the struggles you were kind of going through and not having an income and whatnot. So you, so is this a business that you started with your father? Yeah. So um, my father had, you know, jewelry stores and different kind of different stalls and in the mall and Tyler. And uh, I started fixing phones in my house just because I had an interest in it. And I had nowhere to, you know, like service the customers. And so I would have the customers go to my dad's jewelry shop in the mall and I'd fix the phones there and do the transaction there. And pretty soon my dad started noticing that I was making more money fixing phones than he was selling jewelry in his jewelry stall. And so my dad said, okay, well, you know, let's, let's do something with that. I was like, yeah, like, I think we should. So uh, we put our heads together and, you know, I had some savings from the business. He had some savings. And so we kind of pitched in and we put a deposit for the retail store for the first retail store. And so I was the guy that was like fixing the phones and my dad was, was trying to help me with the accounts and things like that. So it was very much something that him and I did together. And then, um, you know, we started adding more stores to the franchise. Really, we were trying to create a franchise. And we've got six stores to date. But, you know, throughout college, uh, we continue to add more stores. Uh, because, you know, I mentioned my mom's mental illness. You know, it got pretty bad at that time. And so I really didn't have it in me to, to go away from my family to go somewhere else to college. So I just went to college in Tyler, Texas. And then, you know, after class, I just go to the store and just grind away, fix phones, you know, fix devices and everything that would come in. And then, you know, medical school happened, right? I applied, got accepted. And even like first year of medical school, I was pretty much running day to day, like remotely. Then things got really busy with medical school, second year of medical school hit. And so my dad kind of took on a day to day. I was still there providing general guidance and direction to the company. It's really my vision. My dad helped execute a lot of it. It bonded my dad and I in ways that I, you know, it's hard to articulate. We have more of a business partner relationship than a father-son relationship. And it makes the father-son relationship that much sweeter, right? Mm-hmm. And we disagree. I mean, there's, you know, there's tumultuous times, right? Because what I want to do with business and and the vision that I have is very different from him because, you know, there's a generational gap and all of that. But yeah, so long story short, we we work together now. Wow. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us, is there anything that you've learned over the years in business that you've now taken and put into your real estate portfolio? Importance of a team. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my gosh. Like if you, it, it, again, it's like, it's like that superpower mentality. Uh, you know, when you have a U.S. passport, you can do whatever you want. I firmly believe that. And if you have a good team, then you can scale any heights you want. Right. It's the same thing. And, um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're kind of plagued with the idea that you can do it all yourself. Right. It's very hard for people like us to delegate. 
Mm-hmm. And that's one of the first lessons you learn in business. It's like if you can delegate like a champ, then you can scale. And so that's that was sort of the rate limiting step for me. And that's why, you know, I say we have six doors, but on the flip side, we only have six doors, right? Like if I learned those lessons early on, we could have scaled uh, even more. And I haven't given up on that, by the way. But so once I've figured out that, you know, you've got to get, you know, a store manager in each store, you've got to have someone that handles your accounts separately. You've got to have someone that is head of marketing. You've got to like have these silos that work independently and together. That's what makes a good team. Same thing in real estate, like you guys teach, right? If you don't have a good lender and if you don't have, you know, a good agent and a good accountant, you know, boots on the ground with property management, then you can't really do all of this stuff that well. And so I really took what you guys teach to heart and in Texas and Oklahoma, where my two properties are, I've got a great team on the ground. You know, the Colleen property, the Texas property, I haven't been in it for a year and like four months ever since I bought it because I've got a great team. Same thing with Oklahoma. I've been there like one time. Well, I'm curious, uh, when you started out your cell phone businesses, did you have a mentor or somebody who can guide you on how to build that business? Yeah, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I did. I wish I did. You know, I grew up around business. I kind of say uh, jokingly that business is in my blood. My dad has been doing, you know, various small businesses, stalls, you know, here and there, kind of mom and pop stuff all his life, even from India. My uncles, same thing. When we get together and we have a family like event or a get together, all we talk about is business, right? And so, a lot of what I've learned is just being a fly on the wall, just through osmosis, right? And, and you know, none of my family is like super duper educated, but business is business, right? I mean, the principles are the same. You know, you can get an MBA and learn all this fancy stuff, but the foundations and the principles remain the same. So to answer your question directly, no, no mentor, just, you know, if you run into trouble, you pick up the phone and you call people. And you just troubleshoot, you problem solve along the way. Um, that's the harder way to do it. Now that I think about it, like a consultant or a mentor of sorts would be really, really helpful. And so that's a lesson that I've learned, right? Like I want to have a real estate empire in the next five to 10 years. You know, I don't, I don't want to be doing one or two properties a year. I want to be doing like 10 or 15 properties a year, you know, and, and to do that, you need coaches, you need mentors, and you guys are part of that mentorship team in my mind for me. So that's the lesson I've learned back with the cell phone stuff. Didn't really have a good consultant or a good mentor. Now I'm going to have one for real estate. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's where I was really wondering, like, you know, when that shift happened. I mean, whether whether those past experiences led to, okay, before I dive into real estate, I'm going to make sure that I can learn from other people's mistakes, you know, get that mentor, get a community. Uh, so that's really what, what I was wondering. So let's talk about some of your properties um, because you have a lot of really incredible points to teach people. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe let's start with Kayleen because we talked a little bit about that earlier. Um, Can you tell us the story of Kayleen and some of the unique things that you've done with that? Yeah. So my dad had a a stall in the mall in Kayleen. You know, and when I was like 14, 15 years old, I would go and, and work that stall. And I remember that the military population in Kayleen is just a really fantastic customer base. So for some reason, I just you know, honed in on that market 
and I was just like on Redfin or Trulia, one of those you know things, and looking for a fourplex. Just really wanted to start with that. That was like you know beginning of 2020, and I found a fourplex. Called the agent directly, spoke to the agent, and turns out that this agent was an investor in that market herself. Mm-hmm. And this property that she was selling it was her dad's fourplex. And although I didn't end up getting that property, I continued to just pick her brain, right? I was like, hey, like, I really need a mentor. Can you serve as a mentor for me? I, I just asked her point blank. I mean, we talked like two hours and then I was like, hey, you know, you seem like you really got a hang of this market and I'd like to learn from you. So I kept picking her brain. Uh, and then like two weeks later, this fourplex popped up and she brought it to my attention. Um, it was sort of a distressed property really not managed well. The tenants were, you know, not paying on time. The the leases weren't even like completely up to date. And so you could call it a distressed property. And so I did what you guys teach. I locked it up. You know, I think I, it was like $210,000 or something. And, and then we got an inspection. Things came up in the inspection, got a haircut, all of those things. Got it for 190. Each unit was uh, rented for like four to 500 at the time. And I knew that that was market rent. And so now, you know, just long story short, fast forward a year and some odd months later, each unit is rented between seven to $800. I put washer and dryers in a few of the units. They had connections. They didn't have washer and dryers. That helped increase the rent and just picked really good tenants. You know, I was very selective on who I would choose to have as, as tenants. And I managed the property myself. So I literally put it on Zillow that, you know, units for rent. And I'd call the tenants myself when they applied. And it's really just having a conversation. Like it's not hard to select a tenant. You just talk to them. And it's very easy to pick up if they're crazy or not. Right. <laughs> you just you just talk to them like, hey, are you, are you the type of person that's going to call me three in the morning? Are you going to, you know, kind of handle like a light bulb going out? So, and then of course you do a background check, you do a credit check, you do all those things, you check the boxes, but you just talk to the people and get a good assessment of their personality. And then, and then you put them in, in the units. So they pay for, you know, via cash app and we have a great relationship. Have you ever dreamed of owning a vacation home? What if it could double as an investment property that makes you money and helps you save on taxes? Our new course, Accelerating Wealth, short-term rental blueprint will teach you how to purchase and set up your short-term rental the right way. Learn more about the course at semiretiredmd.com slash str hyphen course. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Caliber Home Loans. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. Now we've been working with Dan and his team for over five years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close a deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or a vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at semi-retiredmd at caliberhomeloans.com to get a free consultation. Talk to me about doing that while you're in residency because you're, mm. I mean, you're self-managing 12 doors while in residency and fellowship. And I think a lot of people listening to this might say, how is that even possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, I mean, a lot of it probably is, is luck, but uh, I've really been blessed with great tenants and um, I've got a good team in those uh, areas. So if something breaks down, the tenant, you know, texts me directly, I've got a Google voice number and they text me directly and I forward that message onto the team. I've got a team of like three or four, you know, kind of maintenance folks, handymen in the area that I always have on speed dial. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, there are times when like it got really crazy, especially with the Oklahoma property and we can talk about that, but you just, you manage your time, right? You do what you're passionate about. My focus was learning ophthalmology, learning the surgeries and doing real estate. I really didn't do a whole lot outside of, of that. You know, I, I'm not, I wasn't watching Netflix series and, you know, I wasn't listening to a whole lot of music. I was just doing real estate and residency. So. And now you're doing a cash out refinance. And so can we talk about that, about how you forced depreciation and are able to do that? Yeah. So a lot of it was market appreciation too, because the Austin, Texas area and that whole area is really just taken off. And some of it was forced appreciation as well, primarily because I increased the income you know, significantly on that property. So I'm in the middle of a cash out refi right now. And there have been a couple of properties very similar to mine in the area that sold for three fifty to three hundred sixty thousand just recently. So I'm very confident that we'll get appraised for about three fifty. Bought it for one ninety. So I'm about to pull out a hundred thousand dollars or so, but like ninety four, ninety five thousand dollars from that property. And the goal is going to be to reinvest. Right. The next goal is the short term rental. So. I'm going to take that and put it into a short-term rental. Wow. Uh, so just to clarify though, you're you're getting your money out and then on top of that you're getting an additional 100,000 total I'm so I put in uh, about 50 in the property as the down payment plus you know the closing costs and all that and I'm pulling out about 100 total. Wow. wow. Did you end up doing any rehab for these properties or was it a matter of the hidden value was just under market rents? Yeah, I mean, um, not any significant amount of rehab, you know, just turning over when the previous tenants left and just like, you know, paint touch ups and that kind of stuff, just kind of making make, you know, make ready on the unit, and then really bringing the uh, rent up to market and selecting for better tenants, I think is really the hidden value there for me. Yeah, that's so that's awesome for people to hear, because I think a lot of people think that you know, if you're going to buy a property that's distressed, you necessarily have to do a huge rehab or, you know, put in a lot of time and energy and effort. But in some cases, you can get properties that are under market rents that don't require that much time. And I think one of the things you're talking about is, is that value that you added that you came in as a business person and added was better quality tenants, which, you know, allowed you to charge more and then also probably reduced your maintenance pretty significantly, I'm guessing in your expenses. And so that's a really unique way to kind of think about adding some hidden value through your tenants as well. Getting better tenants. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, yeah, that's a great thought. Yeah, that's really great. And then you talked about, you also added a washer dryer, I believe. So that probably added some additional rent per month. Yeah, that's right. And maybe actually even gotten better tenants, right? Or broader tenant base, because some people might actually be searching specifically for in-unit laundry, right? So you might have actually drawn from a better tenant base. A hundred percent. 
How is it you had the confidence to tackle these distressed properties as a newer investor, right? Because both, both this and your Oklahoma City property were distressed, not being managed well. How were you able to deal with that mindset stuff? Or was it not a not a Or was it the blue all? passport? <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it sounds kind of trivial and cliche, but it's it's that passport, man. I'm a United yeah. States citizen. I'm the I'm a citizen of the greatest country on earth. Right? Awesome. Why why is anything limited to me? Nothing's limited. Oh my I, gosh, I, that that belief. Yeah, I, I hope so everyone listening sees how much the meaning you give to things mm-hmm. totally changes the outcome mm-hmm. because it changes how you approach everything. Mm-hmm. How you 100%. show up. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I'm taking that to the bank with me every time, man. It just it, it, it's just it sounds crazy, right? Because, because mm-hmm. like, yeah, we all have a you know, blue passport if you're a citizen, but to me the the amount of time that I spent in my life not having it and like the doors that were close to me, like I'm a huge space and NASA fan, right? Mm. And I couldn't do an internship at the Johnson Space Center because I wasn't a US citizen. Mm. And when I got that passport, I spent a month with an astronaut, right? I lived with Chris Cassidy, who's a Navy SEAL turned astronaut. And I got to live out my dreams. And that in itself, like just, just gave me this immense confidence not to sound you know cocky or anything because i have so much to learn but the confidence that comes from from that passport i just it's hard to put into words it's really wow. hard to put into words you're going to space someday for sure <laughs> i know it I have to buy a ticket yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and and you know we glossed over it but also i think what's really special here is you have that kind of greater contribution that you're building this empire for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I heard that too. So I, ho- I hope you wouldn't mind expounding on, you know, what you want to do once you've built this real estate empire, um, what your contribution to the world is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you asking that. You know, I, I think about that a lot and it's something you guys teach about or like in that very first module, right? Like what's your, why, why are you doing all this? You know, mm-hmm. what's all this money going to get you? You know, is it, is it for a Rolex? Is it for a Ferrari? For me, those things don't, don't matter as much. I've had some experiences in my life that have made me very passionate about certain communities of people. Um, obviously immigration, right? The whole immigration system, the, the bureaucratic process that it is can be so much more simplified. And I'm very passionate about that topic and the community of immigrants. My mom, you know, has a mental illness and the amount of time that, you know, we spent with a psychiatrist trying to understand her illness and caring for her, that was part of, part of the reason that I decided to go to medical school. So I'm very, very passionate about mental illness, right, in this world. And so what I want to do is I want to take my wealth that I create with real estate and I want to put it towards these topics that I'm passionate about. I want to have an impact in these communities, you know, maybe with nonprofits, putting people in office whose values align with mine, right? Those types of things. And to do those types of things that I want to do, you need money, right? There's no way around it. So I love ophthalmology. I love the surgeries that I do. I love the sort of instant gratification that I get and my patients get. But, you know, solely being an ophthalmologist isn't going to accelerate the type of wealth that is needed to make the kind of impact that I want to make. And I had that realization in residency. And as we all know, real estate is a wealth accelerant. And so it just made all the sense in the world. Plus, like I've heard Lady you say that like 
you love real estate. Like it's like monopoly for you, right? Like you like having the little like actual tangible properties and stuff. I'm the same way. Like I just love the concept of like owning this like massive tangible, like real asset that not only you can do good with, right? Like you can go in, take a distressed property, make it really nice for people to live in. So you can do good with it and you do well. You make money doing it, right? What business can you do good and do well at the same time? I can't think of very many other than real estate. So I just want to reiterate how grateful we are to work Mm -hmm. with a community of physicians because so Mm -hmm. many physicians go into medicine to serve because they care and they want to give of themselves. And I think when they build real estate portfolios, that tends to kind of come into it as well and building safe places for people to live, giving them high quality units and Mm -hmm. just caring about, about not being a slumlord, not having people not get the services they deserve. It's, I mean, it, it drives a lot of us and, and that nonprofit, I'm sure you'll have your own nonprofit someday. Mm -hmm. So I think that's beautiful. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you so much. So a question we ask all of our guests is, uh, we have two questions for you. One is, uh, what is your definition of rich? Blue passport. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's amazing. I love that. 100%. Uh, No, I, I appreciate that question so much. So what is my definition of being rich? You know, I think, I think having an empowering belief that gives you the confidence to say that you can do whatever it is that you want to do, that nothing is off limits. Nothing's going to hold me back. I think that's what makes you rich. Yeah. And you clearly have that. My gosh. And so, and I think that comes from having role models as well that you really look up to. And, you know, I mentioned NASA earlier, my role models sounds weird, but my role models are astronauts, right? Because, those people have accomplished so much in their life, right? They are like the epitome of like human performance and human ingenuity and human capability. And I am so inspired by those people, not only because I've got to live with one and I've interacted a lot of, with a lot of astronauts because I've done some work in the space medicine realm as well. So I am very, very inspired by those people because I am the farthest away (laughs) from those people, right? Like I have, I feel like I have so much to improve in every aspect of my being if I'm going to try to emulate the persona or the personality of an astronaut. I hope that makes sense. And so when I think of how much improvement I can do in my life, that just gives me a lot of hope, a lot of things to work towards. It also gives me a lot of confidence that I can achieve that. And in my mind, that empowers me to do whatever I want. I hope that makes sense. It's a little yeah, bit. it does. <laughs> well, the second question you may you may have already answered, uh, and it may be, but may, maybe you can offer another 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 tip. But uh, what is one habit, mindset, or strategy that separates someone who is rich versus someone who is poor? Yeah, I'm gonna get off the empowering belief bandwagon for a little bit and go <laughs> with something else. Um, strategy. So I think saying no things Hmm. is super important you know managing your time and saying no to things uh, it's it's a lesson that I am still learning and really have started to kind of implement very recently there was a time where I would say yes to like everything because so much of what we do you know got to jump through the hoops and 
build your CV and all of this stuff, right? Like as physicians, you know, a lot of things that we do, we kind of have to do to jump through hoops. But I have started to say no to a lot of things. And um, I think Elaine Stageberg Mm -hmm. told me this. And she's just, she's a rock star. Or maybe she said it in some course. But like, if it's not a hell yes, then -hmm. it's a no. Mm -hmm. Right? And once you really get that in your mind, then you just have all the time in the world. Because the things that you say yes to, you're 100% devoted to, you're passionate about. And you just have like less clutter on your plate. So I think that really allows you to accelerate. Yeah, and I think Warren Buffett has a quote about saying no too, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, early on uh, when we were doing the, you know, doing a lot of like committees and things like that at the hospital. And it was just like, what what are we doing? Right. Mm-hmm. So we we ultimately ended up and we had the same exact thing where we actually struggled with it for a little bit. And we said, okay, well, we got to, you know, we got to say no to free ourselves up to do other things and focus on other things. So I think that's a great tip for Mm -hmm. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, Shazad. And we will give people notes below as well. If they want to reach out to you, would that be okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Happy to help in any way. Awesome. Thanks again. Thank you so much. And I just want to say, you know, I I really want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart because you guys really are like my, my mentors, you know, I don't know you guys personally, but, um, you know, taking the course, you know, being in your community, um, and just following the things that you say has really opened up my eyes in more ways than, than, you know, I could have imagined. So, um, thank you so much for this amazing product that you have brought into my life. And I, uh, um, I'm going to be following you guys the rest of my life. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I know that it, you know, this, this fulfills us yeah, to, sure. to see your success and to see what you're doing. So we're thankful for that. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm excited to see like, you know, you're going to inspire so many other people with this interview. So I'm really excited to kind of get this out there and, and have people get inspired and, and, and really uh, see what's possible, see what's possible with the blue passport. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. absolutely. <laughs> right. Love it. Thank you guys. And I'll see you guys tonight. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Bye. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.